And the last week of a series, I love the last week of a series because by the time we get to the last week of a series, I'm over the series. I've been thinking about this series probably about two months before we teach it, studying a couple of months before we teach. And so, man, I am so tired of the topics by the time that we get done. That one's got a bad bottom. But by the time we get to the last week, I'm done with the series. Excited about our series next week. Starting a series next week called The Great Chase. I'm going to talk about the things that we as individuals chase in life that bring no value. We get up every day, we begin the race, and we start chasing things. And at the end of the day, we look at our lives and we find them lacking. But guess what? That's next week. This week, we're in the last week of I Quit. We're talking about the things in our life that we're just fed up with doing. Things that almost come natural to us, but they're unhealthy for us. We talked about I quit complaining. We talked about the fact that complaining gets us nowhere. I heard David did a great job. I haven't had a chance to go listen to it yet. Christine told me it was great. He talked last week about quit. I quit living in fear, man. So many of us live our entire lives living in fear. Today I want to talk about a subject that in 26 years of teaching, I've never taught on this subject before. I've never thought about this subject before. But as I was listing things that I wanted to talk about and things that I felt like in my own life are detrimental to me and things I need to work on, complaining, living in fear, I wrote this one down. And sometimes I just brainstorm on a piece of paper and don't even realize I'm writing certain things down until I go back and look at it. And I wrote this down, and when I looked at it, it kind of stopped me in my tracks. I want to talk to you and wrap up this series today talking about it's time to quit comparing. The comparison trap. So many of us, the large majority of us, can't live the life we were created for in the blessings that we are receiving because we're comparing our blessings to the blessings of others. God's been good to us. Life has been good to us. But instead of sitting back and looking at what we have, instead of looking back at what we're doing, we look across And we compare what we have to what others have. And and there's numerous things we live life comparing. We compare possessions. Do we not? Yeah. We compare possessions. Our car, got it a year ago. It was nice. It was great. You loved it. You pull into the driveway and the neighbor got a newer car. And it's got one more bell and one more whistle. And we compare. And suddenly the car that we had that's got 3,000 miles on it because it's got a 2022 in front of it instead of 2023 in front of it, it's not good enough. Is our house big enough? We compare. We, we, We think because someone has a bigger house that they may be more successful than us in life. Could just be there are more death than you in life. 
the comparison trap. Our furnishings the way they should be. Man, the neighbor just did this in their basement. Man, well, we've been talking about doing that to our basement, but we haven't done it yet. Man, I don't even have a basement. In the comparison trap. I did a big event in downtown Woodstock last night. And I heard people comparing, we'll talk about first world problems, comparing golf carts. Man, look at that golf cart. That one holds six people. I mean, I know they say size don't matter, but that one's four inches longer. I mean, look at that thing. Did you see the wheels on that golf cart? I mean, literally, I didn't know that there was a literal conversations about everywhere I went, people were talking about golf carts. One of our sponsors custom makes golf carts to look like retro vehicles. And so they had a golf cart that looked like a Bronco. It was amazing. And people were going insane over a golf cart. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. Somebody came up to me and said, what's the story on that golf cart? I said, well, I don't know the story on that golf cart because I don't sell golf carts for a living. That's one of my sponsors. And I said, here's what he does. And he said, I'll know I've arrived in life when I can have a golf cart like that. That's your standard? Now, don't get me wrong, it was bad to the bone. But that's your standard for arriving in life? <laughs> but I'm guilty of it. I'm a truck guy. I compare trucks all the time. My daughter was dating a little punk, and he had a truck, and he had a seven inch lift. I had a truck with a three inch lift. I went and bought a truck with an eight inch lift. I'm 47 years old. He's 16, and I don't care. He ain't going to sit in my driveway, Derek, with a truck bigger than mine. Ain't going to happen. And then some of y'all anger me because I'm a comparison guy. Man, I see a lot of trucks like yours because my truck's all black. I say, no, you don't see any trucks like mine. They're not as tall as mine. And if I find someone's talking about it, I'm going to get it. I actually looked up the laws online to see legally how big your truck can be. Because I'm just going to compare like that. You say, well, that's immature. I'm going to compare like that. Call it immature. Call it whatever you want to do. Christine actually called me out the other day. We went to eat, pulled into a parking space. She goes, you're going to do this every time? I said, do what? Find what you think is the biggest truck in the parking lot and park right next to it. I said, said, do I do that? I didn't even realize I I subconsciously compare. We compare possessions. You know what we're bad about, man? We compare appearances. I mean, ladies. Don't act like y'all don't compare hair. I wish I had hair like that. 
Women are worse than men. Did you see her butt? Well, no, because if I said if I saw her butt, it would be on like Donkey Kong. Did you see her butt? Man, let me give you some advice when your wife says, did you see her butt? No. If they continue on and be like, clarify. Here's the problem in marriage. There's no communication. I would like to engage in this conversation with you, but I did not see her buttocks. Are you giving me permission to look where I can engage in this conversation? If they say no, then say, then the conversation's over because I don't know what you're talking about. If they say yes, you look two seconds, two second rule, not a three second rule. One second is not enough to fully grasp the buttocks and have a conversation about it. Three seconds is too long. I'm giving you gold right now. There ain't another pastor in America preaching truth to you like this right now. They're talking to you about stuff you can't apply to your day-to-day life. I'm talking about when you go out and she says, did you see her butt? And Christine's the worst. Listen, Christine's like, did you see her butt? You can set a wine bottle on it. I don't even know what that means. I mean, I do now because I have clarified. But I did not know in the beginning what that meant. Because I'm like trash. I used to say you could set a quarter on her butt. Christine Classy, she's going to set a wine bottle on it. But we compare. Men compare. Men say they don't compare. They compare. They compare. You get around. We, we, we had a guy last night, one of our vendors. Man, he was a big old muscle guy. Probably not even thinking about it. Every time I got around him, I sucked in my belly a little bit more. Because he was short. He was muscular, but he was short. So I had to hide the advantage on him. Because here's my philosophy on that. I can go do steroids and get muscular. Which is probably what he's doing. No offense if you're watching. But we ain't stupid. I saw you. Ain't nothing he can do to be taller. And he was bald. He can't grow hair. I got a full set of hair and I'm tall and I can go do steroids. So, but I wanted to make sure to my friend, I was like, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> we compare. We compare performance. Maybe it's at the job. Man, y'all are the most perverted group I have ever been around in my life. God almighty, Jesus. We're done today. Godly. Where's the band at? I said we can compare performance, and I hear, "Mm mm-hmm. All the women were like, mm-hmm. All the men were like, oh, Lord. I heard Lou, oh. <laughs> I meant job performance. Job performance. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, men were hard, but man, my sales don't look like his sales. How come he can go out and, and then we get mad? And then, and instead of, admiring what they're doing, we explain it away. Don't we love to explain away success of other people? Well, if I had the brakes he had. Well, if I had the customers he had, but maybe he has those customers because he went out and got them. We compare, we compare performance. Mothers, man, we're horrible at this. Or you're horrible at this. I mean, look at her. 
I literally heard someone, someone say this recently. I saw so-and-so. She had all three kids with her. Had both earrings in. I didn't even know what that meant. Had both earrings in. Had makeup on. Her clothes matched. I don't know how she does that. Comparing performance. But man, kids will wear you out. It's a comparison trap. You know, you see that, that family show up to the pool and they got it all together. Now, most churches you see that, and it still happens on Sunday morning. That action church, man, we just keep it crazy on the front porch. But you know, you see the family show up and all the kids are matching. And they're holding hands, walking in together, and the kids are all cute. Now, you know they fought the whole way to church, but when they turned the parking lot, boy, they put that smile on. Y'all fight the whole way to church and just fight all the way through the door. Like, literally, I've never seen a church where married couples walk in at least once a week. There's some couple. All of a sudden, I see them walk right back out. Go to the car. One comes back in. A few minutes later, the other one comes back in. I'm like, man, fight now in the parking lot for church. That's my church. That's my people. That's my people right there. We're going to fight in the parking lot. We compare performance. Man, we're bad about comparing circumstances. Are we not? So many times, man, maybe you haven't been able to get pregnant. I feel like that's kind of been my thing lately. I've just heard of a lot of women, maybe it's on my Facebook or whatever, asking for prayers in that area. And I can't, I can't imagine that. I'm sure that's something that the large majority of women want to experience. But then you see someone, and man, they, they can't even stay clean off drugs, or they're a constant mess, and you wonder why God keeps giving them children, and you can't have any children. We compare circumstances. Maybe you want to be married, and man, you're always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And so like everybody around you, just compare circumstances. Maybe you have a sickness and you wonder why so-and-so had a sickness and they got over their sickness quicker than you got over your sickness. You're kind of that Debbie Downer. I remember a buddy of mine got COVID and got very sick during COVID and it was, oh, woe is me. Everybody else gets COVID and they're fine. I get COVID and can't get out of bed. Well, the fact that you're 400 plus pounds, don't take care of yourself, might have something to do with that. Oh, and I told him that, by the way. But we compare circumstances, do we not? The comparison trap. Possessions, appearance, performance, circumstances. There's nothing that will steal your gratitude in life faster than the comparison trap. You go off with your friends and you think to yourself, man, if I had a wife like that, man, if I had a husband like that, and normally the strengths you see in others are dictated by the weaknesses you see in your own life. And we allow the weaknesses to overshadow the strengths that are in our life. The comparison trap. We focus more on what we deem we are lacking than looking at our life and saying what we're good at. 
It's real easy for me to do that in my own life. The comparison trap. Man, if I could only be better at this. If I could only be better in this situation. Man, if I could be more like so-and-so and how they handle X, Y, Z, my life would be different. But that person's looking at me saying, man, if I could be more like Gary in ABC, my life would be different. God shaped you and he made you and he formed you and he made us all different. And we're going to look at other things and we're going to see things that we admire and it's good to admire qualities in others, but it's a dangerous trap when you begin to compare because it's the never-ending battle. Man, I wish I had a bigger house like so-and-so. You get a bigger house like so-and-so, and then you meet so-and-so who has a bigger house than you have. And suddenly the big house ain't enough. Now you got to have a bigger house than them. The comparison trap. I think I've shared this before when I was talking about finances. They asked people who make $50,000 a year, how much money do you need to make to feel successful? People who made $50,000 a year said, man, if I made $100,000 a year, I would feel successful. They ask people who made $100,000 a year, what do you need to feel successful financially? People who made $100,000 said, man, if I only made $250,000 a year, I would feel successful. They ask people who made $250,000 a year, what do you need to feel successful financially? People who made $250,000 a year said, if I could make $500,000 a year, I would feel successful. The people who made 500000 said if I could make a million. The people who made a million said if I could make $5 million a year. My point is, we can get into the trap where it's never good enough. I have people ask me all the time about my past church and the church that I pastored before. For those of you who don't know, I pastored a very large church, a very fast-growing church. I started it here in the community, and people are always like, man, do you regret that you lost that church? I never regret that I lost that church. I can give two flips about that. But you know what my biggest regret is looking back at my time there? Is I never enjoyed the adventure. I never enjoyed the journey. I'll never forget our very first service. We had 200 people show up at our very first service. And instead of celebrating that we had 200 people show up at our first service, when the average church in America ran 67 people, we had 200 people at our first service. I remember going and saying, we'll celebrate when 500 people show up. And I remember when 500 people showed up and my staff came in the next day and they're all excited. I said, what are y'all excited about? I said, we'll celebrate when we run 500 people six weeks in a row like so-and-so does, comparison trap. And six weeks in a row, running 500 people in a row, they came in, and I said, nah, I said, tell you what, anybody can do this if we can do it. How about so-and-so? They got 1,000 people. When we have 1,000 people in a service, we'll sit back and enjoy the ride. We had 1,000 people in service. Then it was 1,500. And then I remember one Easter, we had 32 people in a movie theater over four services. They came in. You think I'd have been like a good guy and be like, man, that's amazing. I think we had like 200 some people get saved that week. It, it, was, it was just a cool Sunday. You think I would look at them and say, that's awesome, man. God's using us, man. We should sit back and think and enjoy. And I'll never forget. I looked at them and said, 
You know our buddy in South Carolina? I said, yeah. He said, they had 7,000 people this weekend. And we have 7,000 people, maybe we can feel like we've done something. And right before I lost that church, it was named the 16th fastest growing church in America. And I looked back and I never enjoyed any of it. Because I was always comparing. I could never be grateful for what I had. I was always comparing to what I didn't have. And nothing will steal your joy quicker than the comparison trap. Because here's the problem, I don't give... I don't care how damn good you are at whatever it is. There's always someone better. And if you can't learn to be content and enjoy what God has given you, you're never going to live a life of fulfillment. God hates it when we compare. Because the reality is, mm, this ain't even in my notes, so I don't even have these verses for the screen. (laughs) God doesn't bless us all equally. Say, what? Yeah. There's actually a parable Jesus taught, and he talked about this guy who gave out talents, and I can't remember the exact amount, but he gave one guy one talent, a form of money. He gave the next guy five, and he gave the next guy ten, and he blessed them all differently. Now, they were all blessed. They all had more than they had when they started, but the master in the story blessed each person differently. And what we need to realize is God is going to bless us all differently in different areas because God has a different design for all of us and a different purpose for all of us and a different calling on our lives and the blessings are going to coincide with the calling that we have. And when we fall into the comparison trap, and, and it's called the comparison trap for a reason. You ever been caught in a trap? You get caught in a trap, it's real hard to get out of it. It hangs on to you, and you're stuck, or dare I say you're trapped. And that's what the comparison trap will do to you. See, see we need to learn some things about comparison. We need to learn some things about comparing and I'm going to be short today, and we're going to get out of here early, because here's the deal. I keep it real with you. I haven't had buffaloes in three weeks. I'm grumpy. I'm irritable. I tried to trick Christine the other night into going to buffaloes on a weeknight, but we don't go to buffaloes on weeknights. We go to buffaloes on Sundays. We're a Sunday's buffalo family. We're a little OCD in the lamb house. It wasn't buffaloes night. It was Mexican night at the lamb house. So we had Mexican, even though I hadn't had it in three weeks. And so like, I told Bubba Bax, I said, I feel like I know how a junkie feels. He said, well, I said, I need buffaloes. So I'm going to get out of here in 16 minutes. You believe that? It's 10.44, 16 minutes. What time did David Wester get out of here last week? 11 on the dot? 10.44? 10.59, we're done. You ready? Here's the problem of comparison. <laughs> hey, and if you're new... That won't happen again for another five years. I'm just going to be real honest with you. I wrote this sermon three weeks ago, and I can't remember much about it. So we're going to wing it today and get out of here in 15 minutes. You ready? Number one, comparison is the death of contentment. Comparison is the death 
of contentment. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, oh, I like this. There's an interesting word here, and I can read it with a little bit of attitude, and you'll know what I'm talking about in a minute. The Bible says we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Anybody see the key word there? Fourth one in, dare. Mm -hmm. We do not dare. Anybody ever use that? Your wife ever looked at you and said, don't you dare talk to me like that. You can't use the word dare without an attitude. I don't know who you think you are talking to you. Don't you, I dare you to try me. When you use that word dare, you just get a little sass in you. You get a little soul in you when you use that word. He said, we do not dare to classify ourselves or compare ourselves with other people. See, God wants us to live a life of contentment. God wants us to be satisfied with the blessings that he has given us. And when you begin to compare, you're slapping the creator of the universe in the face for the way he has blessed you. God has been good to you. There's not a person in here today who God has not been good to. Let me ask you a question. Is there one person, I'm not picking on you, I just want to know. Is there one person in the last week who has not had water from a bottle? Anybody? A bottle of water, not one bottle of water. Okay, five of you, and of course you haven't. You know, water's healthy. It's healthy for you, just say it. You should drink some water. You say, why do you ask that question? Here's why. Almost 40% of the world doesn't even have clean drinking water. And we drink it out of a bottle that we bought at the store. I walked around my event last night and probably drank about 12 bottles of water that I took from every one of my vendors. I didn't even pay for it. I walked right up to their cooler, opened it up, and it's cold. It's refreshing. It hits the spot. And it was free. Now, they had to pay for it, but it was free to me. That's how blessed we are. How many of you have a pet? You have a dog. How many of you have an outside dog? Outside dog. Outside dog. I know that's not popular anymore. Only Derek. Derek. He's an outside dog, right? He got a house, though, he stays in, right? You don't just leave him out in the yard. He got, like, a dog house. Your dog has a house with a front and back door. We blessed. How many of you have a house? Not an apartment, a house. How many of your houses have a garage? You have houses for your cars. We're pretty blessed. Yet when we begin to compare, we rob ourselves of the joy of seeing how good God has been to us. Paul said, we dare not compare. We dare not to classify or compare. He said, those who compare are not wise. Let me break that down for you in the original language. It says, those who compare are stupid. It literally means the opposite of wise in the original language was uneducated. 
So when you begin to compare your life to someone else, you're being uneducated in your thought process. See, the problem is, is when we begin to compare our lives to someone else's lives, we, ah, damn, this is good. We begin to build a, I lied to you, we're not getting out in 10 minutes. We, listen, 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 we begin to build a mirage of that person. What is a mirage? Something that we see but does not exist. Because we're only seeing what we want to see. I'm going to put them on the spot here. Let me make this very clear. They have a great marriage, and I love them, and I think they're fantastic. And so I'm not saying they have a bad marriage. But we became friends with my accountant, Chad and Lee. We become very good friends with them. We have become good friends with them. We hang out with them. We went on vacation with them. Chad is very very successful in life. And I will tell Christina, I said, I need to get to where Chad's at. I need to get my business lined up and blah, blah, blah. But here's what happened. You can begin to build a mirage of them. And then you go on vacation with them. And you realize they're just like us. Leah gets mad at Chad just like Christine gets mad at me. And Chad says dumb things just like I say dumb things. And their kid drives them crazy like our kids drive me crazy. But until I got to know them, I had a mirage of them. We become very good friends with David and Sierra. And it's easy to look at them and say, man, and, 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 and hear me out. I'm not saying we ought to not learn from other people. And we ought to not strive in our life to be better. But if I begin to play the comparison trap, it gets dangerous. Go off with David and Sierra, and I realize that Sierra yells at David just like Christine yells at me. And they're just normal. But when we play the comparison game, we build a mirage when we don't know the reality. And that's a dangerous thing. And that will rob you of your contentment. Man, I really like that. I wish I had that person's personality. Man, they're so funny. But maybe you don't realize the reason they're always using humor is because they're insecure about so many things and they're using their humor to deflect from their own internal battles. They're looking at you saying, man, I wish I was secure enough that I didn't have to use humor. Man, look how their spouse does that for them. Man, that's amazing. So you're just seeing the Facebook spouse. Have I ever told you all the story about being in Ingalls after I lost everything? I'm in Ingalls one day. I run into this couple. It's awkward. We went to my last church. I do the head knock because I never know how. The, at that time, I never knew who I was going to go. It was very fresh and very new. I said, how are you guys today? And I kind of would always just be real respectful, lower my head and walk on. He said, don't you F and say hello to me. I said, here we go. I said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, for the last three years, I've had to listen to my wife come home after you'd preach a sermon we're in Ingles now, so we're in Ingles. I just want some fried chicken. And I got it, though. He said, listen to my wife come home and say, why can't you be more like Gary? Do you see what Gary did for his wife? 
you see what Gary said he did with his kids? See, they got to see the highlights because I was the one telling them. They didn't see all the other stuff. I wasn't getting on stage and sharing all the bad things. And he said, and now you do what you did? Get the hell out of my face. It got heated for a moment. I was real calm. I thought he was going to speak. It got heated. But I got it. He was going home and having to compare to something that was a mirage. That's why you get the dirty Gary. You get the, not the, God, what is wrong with y'all? I didn't mean dirty like that. Who is down there? Is that Treff that was laughing at that or Tom? Like, what is wrong with you people? I meant like the raw Gary. The good, bad, and ugly. God, I don't need Jesus. I need to bring like Johnny Hunt in here and teach Jesus to you people. Man, good Lord. I refuse. You get the good, bad, and ugly. We fighting at the house. You getting getting stories about us fighting at the house. Christine's in the wrong. You getting stories about Christine being in the wrong. My kids are being bad. You getting stories about my kids being bad. I I never do anything wrong, so you don't get a lot of stories like that. But you're going to get the raw stories around here. Because comparison will kill your contentment. Ladies, I know you got it tough. Man, you get in the checkout line and you're in your day with magazines that are photoshopped, and sliced and diced. You think you've got to live up to some standard that's not true, and we don't think you've got to live up to that standard, by the way. Us men don't think that. Don't okay me. We like them roles, girl. We, listen, I'm going to tell you a little secret about men. They like, a, they, don't want a lot, they like a little cottage cheese up in here. Bubba, come on. Listen, listen, I'm, I'm, I told you we're going to keep it real. We want some hips to grab on to. I'm just going to tell you. Don't send me no filter picture. I don't want your face whited out looking like First of all, don't send me a picture. Let me clarify. Let's get that on podcast. Let's get that on Facebook Live, and let's make sure that is out to the public. Do not send me a picture. Y'all posting all these pictures. Some of y'all look like cartoon characters in your pictures. (laughs) They're like... That ain't what no man wants. Like, some of these filters make you look like a mouse. Like, you think a man wants a mouse. Like, it takes rid of your nose. Weird. It's weird. Real man like a little meat on the bones. And listen. Oh, God, I'm going to regret this. I was in Woodstock last night. I don't understand what you women are doing to your lips. It's weird. I don't understand it, and I don't know who lied to you and told you that looked good. It's weird. Problem is, you've been looking at too many magazine covers, and they convinced you that's the standard. And it's robbed you of your contentment and how beautiful you are. This is what happens when I don't know my sermon. I tell a lot of stories I shouldn't tell. I told my wife last night, I said, you seen Stacy Little tonight? She said, yeah, she looks beautiful. I said, she did. She looks, I don't know if she looked beautiful last night. 
I said, what is she doing with John? <laughs> no, just kidding. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But she did. She just looked pretty last night. She had a ball cap on. I don't remember what else she had on, but she looked pretty. I saw her for two seconds. And I was drinking a little bit, I ain't going to lie, but she looked pretty. She ain't got to go... And I'm using Stacy because she lives in downtown Woodstock. She ain't got to go put stuff in her head and lips. And all out. It's weird. How can you be content when you're comparing? I used to be the king of this. Man, I'd get something and I couldn't even enjoy it because I was comparing it to everyone else. Three minutes, ready? Comparison makes us prideful. Comparison makes us prideful. Second thing is if you're in take, like I said, it makes us prideful. Luke chapter 18, he's telling a story about prayer. And the religious come along, and look what it says. The Pharisee stood by himself, and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like these other people, like these robbers, and these evildoers, these adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Let me paraphrase that in the Gary Lamb version. Go back, Xander, please, to the Pharisee stood by himself. The religious Baptist stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like those action church people. Those drunks and weed smokers. We'll leave that one, those adulterers. Are those business crooks? Next verse, please. Ain't no Baptist fasting. So how about this? I go to church three times a week. And ain't no Baptist giving a tenth of what they got. And I give $10. (laughs) They become prideful. Someone puts on Cherokee Connect. I'm looking at a church. That's the LGBTQ Friendly, someone says, go to Action Church. They're all going to hell. F that dude. That dude ain't been in church in 20 years. I know you watched the sermon. No, I ain't going to say nothing. God, his friends go here. There's so much I want to say. No, I'm not going to because I've matured. No, seriously, I'm not. People that I love are friends with him. He's just a troubled person. Who has a hard on for me? You say that's inappropriate. Let me rephrase that. Who has a hard on for me? That's inappropriate. Let me say it one more time. Who has a hard on for me? Now he's so big, he hasn't seen that hard on in years, but he has a hard on for me. He's become prideful. Prideful. Arrogant. And that's what comparison does to you. It makes us prideful. You see, you shouldn't say those things. I don't care. We keep it real around here. Makes you prideful. You ever been in the store? I'm bad about this. I think my wife, and I'm not saying this to blow is probably one of the greatest mothers I've ever seen in my life. What she does with kids is mind-boggling to me. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
But the problem with that is, now when I go into public and I see kids acting up, I start comparing and I get prideful. You know what I do to that kid? You know what? I wouldn't do nothing to him because I ain't, I ain't done nothing to him. Christine did it all. Ain't no kid like mine going to act like that. That's it. Go reward him for acting bad. I get prideful. Like I'm better than somebody. I don't know the battle that they're going through with that kid. I don't know the struggle they're going through in their life. But I get prideful. I begin to compare and I get prideful and think, man, look at me. Look what I'm doing and look what they're not doing. That says pride comes for destruction. It will destroy you. It will kill you. And it's so easy when we begin to compare to get prideful because we focus on what we're doing right and what everyone else is doing wrong. We used to know this woman, and she was a horrible, horrible alcoholic. And I'll never forget one night we had to go to her house. She had relapsed. Just a mess. I mean, remember that mess in the floor? I mean, just trash drunk. Bop, purse just full of the airplane bottles. And the entire time, remember what she was saying? At least I don't do drugs. At least I ain't a druggie. You got foam coming out of your mouth as you lay in the floor. You have lost your children. You have lost everything you've ever been because you're such a horrible alcoholic. <laughs> but you're comparing yourself to a druggie. Now, druggies are just as bad. Anybody been around a druggie? An action church. Anybody been around a druggie? Druggies kill me. They'll go smoke crack made out of rat poison. At least I don't shoot it up. Then people who stick needles in their arms, boy, they're the ones with the issues. You got four teeth. Live out of your car. But you only smoke it, and they shoot it up. You're better than them. Ain't it funny how comparison I make you prideful? It's Pharisee, man. He got prideful in his prayers. Look what I do. Look what they do. C.S. Lewis said it this way, and I like this. He said, he said, we say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they're really not. He says they're proud of being richer, more clever, or better-looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good-looking, there'd be nothing to be proud about. Comparison trap. Comparison makes us resentful. Makes us resentful. I love this story in 1 Samuel about David. It says, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistines, so David has killed Goliath, the Israelites are returning home. Remember that? Saul was the king. Goliath challenged them. None of the men would kill Saul. The little shepherd boy David came and he killed. So now they're all returning home. So as they're returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out. Always starts with some women, boy. The women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and tambourines, Stacy, tambourines, and lutes. Stacy, you need to get John a lute. I don't even know what a lute is, but you be the tambourine, he'd be the lute. So think about it. Great victory, they're returning home. The women are coming up. Ah, you're awesome. 
throwing their panties at him. He's beat the Goliath. It's amazing. They're celebrating. It's awesome. You've just won the championship. We are the champions by Queen is playing. And they're singing. Now look what they're singing. Now remember, who's the king? Saul has slain his thousands. And David is tens of thousands. Who's the king? <laughs> How do you think you like that? He's returning home when they're saying, look at Saul, he's killed his thousands. Oh, but the little shepherd boy, he's killed his tens of thousands. Saul begins to compare in his mind. He begins to get resentful in his mind. Instead of looking at David as a man that God had sent to abide by Saul and compliment Saul, he begins to get jealous of David. He begins to compare the accolades that they're getting. And resentment sets in and he devises a plan at that time to begin the process of killing David. See, here's what happens when we begin the comparison process. When we begin to compare, we resent God's goodness in the life of others and ignore God's goodness in our own life. I can't celebrate with you because I resent you. It's one of the areas I've grown the most in my life in the last few years. I celebrate the victories of others. You're doing more than me, man. I think that's awesome. Your business is successful. That's awesome. I used to get mad about it. I'd get resentful about it because it wasn't happening to me. Listen, comparison will make you resentful. It will rob you of your joy. It will make you angry. We should celebrate when people are winning instead of explaining it away. So how do we deal with the comparison trap real quick? First of all, you have to know what you have. You have to know what you have. Write that down. Take a picture of it. You need to know what you have. Paul's in prison. All of his freedoms have been taken away. He can't leave. He's actually about to be convicted, be executed. Look what he says. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. He's learned to be content. What kills contentment? Comparison. He could be sitting out there thinking, man, I'm preaching the gospel. I should be free. So-and-so's out there free. See, as I'm here in prison, I've learned to be content. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Dusty Rhodes said, the great theologian Dusty Rhodes, said, I have dined with kings and queens, and I've been homeless on the streets eating pork and beans. That's what he's saying here. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He said, I know what I have. I know where I'm going. I know how blessed I've been. You want to be content in life? Stop comparing and be satisfied. Derek, I ain't going to share too much of because I might share it from stage one day with you up here, but you've had it all taken away. Pretty happy with what you have now? 
appreciate it a lot more, enjoy it a lot more. Probably enjoy it more than you did before you had it all taken away, didn't you? Because you know what you have now. You don't compare when you feel blessed with what you have. I'm in a stage in my life where possession-wise, I'm very blessed. But if it all got took away tomorrow and I had to move my family into a one-bedroom apartment, I'd still consider myself blessed. You know why? Because I'm 47, 33, 14 years ago. I had a Jeep Cherokee to my name, and that was it. I slept in the back seat for two nights. I was homeless before a family let me move in their basement. I know what it's like to have nothing. One-bedroom apartment's a whole lot better than the back seat of a Jeep Cherokee. That don't scare me. I've learned to be content with what I have. I've learned to appreciate what I have. I love that new truck I have, but guess what? I used to have a Jeep Cherokee. That Jeep Cherokee I had had to be very specific where I parked it because the transmission went out on it and it wouldn't go in reverse so I could get stuck in parking spaces. So I'd park all the way out where I could pull forward everywhere I went. And then you had to manually shift it even though it was an automatic because they told me the transmission would only last three weeks like that, but it lasted three years like that. I drove it everywhere like that because I was so poor I couldn't afford anything else. So it doesn't scare me. I appreciate what I have because I remember when I didn't have anything. So, it's remember what you have, and then last night I'm done. I didn't go that long. You have to know who you are. You don't got to compare when you know who you are. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let me tell you who you are. You're a child of a king. Let me tell you who you are today. The God who spoke everything into existence shaped you. And he formed you. And he made you. And he created you and he made nobody else like you. You are his masterpiece. And so when you compare your life to others, you're insulting the creator who created you. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make do-overs. Everything you've been through is because God lets you go through it to shape you. Your biggest mess will become your biggest ministry. You need to remind yourself who you are. The Bible tells us in 1 John 3, 3 that we're loved. In Ephesians 1, 6, it tells us that we're accepted. In John 1, 12, it tells you that you are a child of God. In Romans 8, 17, it tells you that you are a joint heir of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, we're a member of Christ's body. Think about that. Do you understand who you are? You don't walk in arrogance, but you walk in confidence because God made you. The Bible, look to the person to the right to you. Look to the person to the left to you. Ephesians 1, 1 says, we're saints. The Catholic Church can bestow sainthood on whoever they want to. The Bible says we're saints because Christ did a work in us. We're saints. The Bible says in Colossians 1.14 that we are redeemed and we are forgiven. You keep beating yourself about your past and God said, you're forgiven. I don't even remember. What are you beating yourself about? I forgot it. As far as the east is from the west, I don't remember it anymore. The Bible says in Colossians 2.10, oh my goodness, it says we are complete in Christ Jesus. Complete. 
completely whole. The Bible says in Romans 8.1 that we are free from condemnation. Other people may judge you, but God says, I have freed you from that. Sometimes you have to remember who you are. 2 Corinthians says you're a new creature in Christ. Colossians says you're chosen by God. Ephesians 2.10 says you are God's workmanship. My point is this. You need to remember what you have. Have I cussed today? Only twice? What was the over-under today? Four? Okay. So we're going to stay here. You need to remember who the hell you are. Sometimes a cuss word just emphasizes the urgency a little more. I might have got caught up in the moment in Woodstock last night and dropped an F-bomb when I got on stage, and people seemed to really freak out about that, and I didn't even realize I'd done it. And then apparently I apologized for doing it, even didn't even remember doing it, so I don't remember apologizing, but I was in the heat of the moment. And I wanted to let them know how amazing this was. Now, I'm not going to drop an F-bomb here today, but we will drop, well, I won't say it again because it's an over-under. I want to be the under today. You need to know who you are. You don't have to compare because God made you. Destroys contentment. Causes resentment. Leads to pride. Will make you miserable. Nothing will destroy you faster than comparing. Strive to grow. Strive to be better. Always be learning. But stop comparing. Let's pray.